And then of course, as people got hurt, more rules, regulations came in, which benefited the other uh, business. More people get to go home at the end of the day than not. Many of us have seen the iconic photograph from 1932 of 11 iron workers sitting and eating lunch on a steel beam atop a skyscraper 850 feet above the construction site for the RCA building in New York City. Well, we've always wanted to talk to the modern version of people who do this difficult and dangerous work. They say it's not the fall that hurts, but the sudden stop or how you land. So our guest today is John Steinmetz, who has been in the business of assembling skyscrapers for 40 years. Many thanks to our sponsor for Season 5, Culligan Water. With Culligan's drinking water systems, you can get the ultra-filtered water you need to fuel your high-performance lifestyle right on tap. Learn more at Culligan.com. And we caught up with John at his home in New Jersey. Welcome to the Adrenaline Zone. You know, we've always wanted to have an iron worker, you know, someone who walks the high iron. So thanks for joining us. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Thank you. And I'm glad to be here. So, John, uh, we like to start by kind of understanding where our guests come from, where they got the fire in the belly to do what they do. So how did you grow up and get into the sort of risky business of working on steel beams high above a construction site? My grandfather on my mother's side was an iron worker. He got my father into the business. Then my father got me into the business. So I grew up a, a union household my whole life. And so you got to watch your dad, you know, vicariously through your eyes. You know, he came home every night telling stories and, and seemed like you're working outdoors. You know, you're not sitting at a desk, kind of a fun thing to do. And so you just jumped right into it, huh? Yes. And then when I became an iron worker, I actually got to work with my father for about 10 years before he retired. Oh, that's wow. awesome. That's neat. I actually was going to go to college. But I got into this in the summer and I, I liked it. So I just stayed doing it. Kept right on going. I like it. Yeah. That's what I tell students when our, our you know, high school students and stuff, when I talk to them, it's like, find that thing you love and just, that's what you should do. Yeah. And I, I tell everybody for even all the aches and pains and the, the metal I have in me, I would do it all over <laughs> again. I can't wait to hear more. And I know. A lot of us start off life playing with blocks and Legos and director sets and stuff when we were, were little. And I have to say, I kept some of that fascination because every time I see one of those huge towering cranes, whether it's on the ground or perched on top of the building, it just boggles my mind how that, how that can be. So can you tell us a little bit about how a tall steel structure gets assembled and, and how that happens and how is the team organized to do it? Yeah. Uh, first day we come in, we build the crane. And then uh, we start shaking out, uh, standing the pieces up the right way up, shaking everything out, getting ready to go up. And I used to be a connector. I was the guy in the air who actually the crane swung the pieces to me and me and my partner, we put the building together. Now, it used to be a long time ago. That was with rivets, right? Now you're bolting it together. How do you, you literally are trying to get, make sure everything's level, that it fits right. You've got the right part in the right place. I mean, this. Seems like there's more to it. You're 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 underselling yourself a little bit here. Years ago was rivets. My grandfather actually he tossed the rivets. That's when when he got in. And then when I got in, it was all all bolts. So we we would carry two bags, fill it with bolts, and then today they have boom lifts, scissor lifts to get the guys up in the air. Back then we had to climb. You had to climb the column. So 
you've had to walk the, the iron. We weren't tied off back then because you didn't need to be tied off. You just had to be careful. You were expendable. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, there's got to be more to it, Jamie. Do you have like a pre-brief before you go out up on the structure in the morning? Says, Years okay, ago, try to get just when, when I first started, they, they would just tell you, okay, we're starting here. We're working north. We're working east or however the direction we had to go. They told us to go. And the guy on the ground, the foreman, he would be t- telling us what piece was coming up next. The raising gang consists of two men on the ground that would hook the, the beams up. The, the rig foreman, and then the two connectors up in the air. And then when you're putting the bolts in, you have a, like a torque wrench or something where you no, you get a you always want to you always want to leave it loose because then when the guys went to plumb it up, it would move easy. If you t- tightened it up and it was out of plumb, it kind of stayed there. So it's a different team of guys that are that are leveling it up and then tightening it down. It's yeah, the the raising gang where they, all they they did was put the building together. Then then you had a bolt up gang. They would come and put all the bolts in, a plumb-up gang, and then guys come in behind gunning it up. Back then, it was all air hoses and air guns, which weighed about 50, 60 pounds a piece. And you're out on a beam. Climb with those on your back? No, you you would pull the guys, somebody would be on the ground tying that on a rope, and you would, the guys gunning up would pull that up and then move the air hose as they went along. But you're still on this, you're standing on one beam. Yes. Connecting another beam to another beam, and you're wrestling this 50-pound, even if it's a No, no, the, uh, the guys who were gunning up would have the iron all there already. They, they would be sitting down on the, on the beams that were already put into place. So when the, beam, when the beam is coming together, you're actually like threading a bolt through. Yes. You know, with, literally by hand, you know, cinching it up finger tight. And then moving on to the next bolt. Yeah, that, that was the connector's job. The connectors would uh, just put two, two bolts in it and then cut the choker loose and move on to the next piece. And I guess it's a pretty good thing to have hard hats on those sites because if you drop a bolt, you know. <laughs> you know. When I started, we didn't, we didn't have to wear hard, hard, hard hats. We didn't have to have harnesses. We didn't have to do a lot of things that we have to do now, back then. And of course, back then as, it's 40 years ago, right? Yes, when I got in. And then, of course, as people got hurt, more rules, regulations came in, which benefited the uh, the business. More people get to go home at the end of the day than not. We've got a ton of questions about that coming up, just how the, all the safety and the, and the training and the regulations and stuff work and how that's changed over the years. So first of all, I have to confess, I don't like heights, believe it or not. <laughs> Even though she's an astronaut. I don't like heights. <laughs> Of course, I guess it's kind of hard to fall out of your space station. But, uh. Well, it's a little bit different, I think, than standing on a skinny beam with the wind blowing around. No but I have to ask you, what was it like the first time when you actually walked out on a beam way up high? Actually, the first time I did it, I was very scared because it was my first job and I was told to go up there and it was like something new to me. And you were shaky. And then as you've done it more, you got more comfortable and it just uh, progressed to where it's like walking on a sidewalk. Huh. But this was back in the day when you said you didn't have a, a, a tether or a restraint yes. of some sort. Yeah. So I imagine, you know, the old guys on the ground are looking at the new guy going up there and they want to see how you react, right? I mean, they know this is a big deal or are they just laughing at you? <laughs> well, to, to tie off now, you, you really don't walk the iron anymore. Because like the retractable, if the retractable locks up, if you move too fast and the retractable locks up, 
it could pull you in the hole. Well, and it, that's uh, not good. Well, we we say pull you in the hole. It would pull you off the iron. Right. So a lot of guys will just, well, we call it coon in the iron. You put your bottom, your feet on the bottom flange and just shimmy along the beam. Like, like you're sitting, but you're not really sitting. You know, that's interesting because we, when we do spacewalks, we have tethers that are attached to the space station for about the same reason. And yeah, well, if you float off there, you ain't stopping it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same thing. You have to kind of treat them gingerly, right? The, yes. They have these auto automatic functions that are there for safety, but sometimes can be a little bit difficult to work around. Yeah, oh. hinders. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, that's so interesting. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's a fun business. The people in it are like your family because like your connecting partner, you have to rely on him. If he, if you need him to save your life, you want him to, or vice versa. So the obvious risk in this amazing business is falling, right? <laughs> yes. And, but you could, there are a lot of other risks too. You can get hit in the head with a moving piece of steel, you name it. And I'm sure there are things I can't even think about that are risks. So what, so what is the sort of hierarchy of risks there as you see them? How do you go about mitigating them? Well, uh, today you have a, a job meeting. You discuss what, what's going to be done, how you're going to do it, safety protocols, and all of that. That's all the general contractors require that for insurance reasons. So if something happens, did you discuss this? No, why not? And it kind of eliminates them from risk. So what, what kinds of risks are there? I mean, obviously... You know, that iron is swinging on a, on a crane and could hit you if the crane operator makes a mistake or swings it too fast. Or... The ideal day is a calm day, calm, <laughs> sunny day, because wind, you can't see wind. Like years ago, when you were walking the iron, you couldn't see the wind coming. So if you were walking and then a, a gust of wind came, it kind of made you wobble. So, but if it was too strong, it could take you off. Do you guys have tethers on your tools for for that? Are they heavy enough that wind gusts aren't an issue and you don't have to? Oh, no, no. The, the tools are heavy enough where the wind don't affect that. But some jobs require to have tethers on the tools, but the majority of them don't. Yeah. We have to tether our tools. They'll, they'll float away. They might get jammed in something important like a solar panel or something. But And what about, um, I mean, safety glasses? Yeah, so safety glasses. Hard hats, gloves, work boots, sleeves, four inches. They, they can't be under four inches. They'll protect your arms. Yeah, no, no, no guinea tees, no tank tops, no cutoff sleeves. Everything has to be in accordance to what the rules are for that job. Are they pretty consistent from job to job? Yeah. The rules? Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's OSHA that determines the rules. Ah, of course. So yeah. OSHA is pretty, pretty uh, set in their rules. So, so as you, um, grow into this business. We really hadn't talked about this before. You've got young apprentices or, or people coming in into the business. And uh, do they just, you know, day one, they're out on the job site and they're under the wing of somebody like you, or do they have to go through a school? They, uh, they do a four-year school. First four years. years. Yes. First year, second year, third year. And then when they become fourth year, they, they become a journeyman. Okay. So they, they're probably doing practical work during their four-year school. Yes. But There's a steel structure. In the school, they take beams down, put beams up, and they, they tie rods, rebar. I never did that. I never wanted to do that. 
Well, 40 years ago, they probably didn't even have a school. So, but uh, yeah, I just didn't want to. Uh, my, my father tied rebar. He would come home filthy, hunched over, hurting. I never wanted to tie, tie rebar. I would imagine that'd make your hands really sore. Yeah, and your back. <laughs> yeah. Because you yeah. still have to carry it. I mean, it's not like the crane. The crane will swing, it, swing the bundle over to a certain spot, and then you've got to carry it to where it has to go. So have you, had, have you been involved in close calls or mishaps? And oh, yeah. What happened? At what, I mean, what, what kind of things have, have, have happened? Years ago, I was working. I was connecting the Center State Hospital in Freehold. They, they were doing an addition on it. And we had a conventional crane. Conventional crane is the, uh, looks like a lattice, lattice boom. It's not the solid boom, like it'd be a hydraulic. And back then, we didn't have safety hooks. You just had a hook, no safety on it. And then the boom dog broke. That's the device that keeps the boom from falling. Well, I was locked in a column and it was something called a truss. And uh, if you ever go into to Walmart, Home Depot, Target, you see the piece that goes from column to column and it, it like goes like that. That's a truss. The other things are called bar joists. Well, back then, the truss was just hooked on with chokers and no safety hook. And the boom dog broke and the boom started to fall. And then it hit, the truss hit one end of this building that was already up. And the hook came off the choker. And then the, the truss swung into the column that I was on. And my leg went into the, into the truss on the bounce down. And God willing, before the bounce up, I got my leg out. Oh, my gosh. And held on because that thing was banging into the column. And then I, it was the first pick of a Saturday. And back then it was double time. I slid down. And I said, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have snapped my, your... Use my yeah. quotient of luck for the day. See yep. ya. <laughs> that could have yeah. snapped your leg in two, right? I, I mean, was, uh, no, it, 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 it would have ripped me in half. Yeah, I would say that you were along, just kind of along for the ride, hanging on on the inside, yes. hoping that there were no protrusions or anything. How I held on, I have no idea. But, Adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. But I did. So you go home, go home and have a beer and come back the next day, huh? Well, actually, the, the foreman said to me, he goes, well, will you fix the dog? Weld, weld the, the boom dog back. And I said, yeah, I'll weld it because I knew I had to be up, up there Monday. So I welded it and he says to me, he goes, okay, it's fixed. You want to go back to work? I said, no. I said, I'm going home and getting drunk. <laughs> yeah, that's so amazing. When something like that happens, I mean, do you just fix it and move on? Or is there an investigation or are people trying to figure out what happened? If somebody gets hurt, there's an investigation. Yeah, I mean, it, that was, and, th and this was, this was probably 35 years ago. Yeah. So things back then. You were then, a young pup. Yeah. And th things were totally different. Any other close calls you had or, or anything like that? I fell once, broke both my hands. <laughs> That's the only close calls I've had. I've seen some, some fatalities. Yeah. Well, oof. that makes it hard on everybody, right? I mean, I, having lived through some of that. Yeah, and uh, I I was on a job and I pulled a guy. He uh, had a heart attack right there on the job, and I'm I'm certified CPR, but uh, I got to him. He was blue foaming. I brought him back to life, and then he died at the hospital. Uh, yeah. 
You know, and one of the things I did in my career was the nuclear propulsion on an aircraft carrier. And, and one of our safety theories was that we always have somebody, whenever there's some important thing going on, that's relatively senior, experienced, watching, uh, and that person is not involved in the job. So they can, they're just totally free to look for, do you all have some other sort of a backup system like that where somebody's always watching or is it just go, go, go on the job with the people who are there? Well, if you go into confined space, you have somebody outside just making sure that if anything happens, they'll get you out. So you might be in a tank or something like yeah, that? Yeah, if you're, if you're in a tank, if, if you're in a, a vault, something like that. A confined space is only one way in and one way out. That's classified as confined space. But most of the time, there is somebody watching the job. That's usually me now. I'll make sure everybody's doing the right thing. Everybody's tied off. There's no, nobody walking under anybody while they're welded because those little sparks hurt when they hit you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said you had some metal in you or something like that. How did that come about? I blew out my back. I got uh, two rods, four screws in my back. Just had my, my right knee totally replaced last year. Both big toes are fused with two, two screws in each one. Goodness gracious. I know football players who have had fewer injuries than that. <laughs> but I, I would still do it all over again if, if I was given the opportunity. I made a good living at it. I've always stayed busy. And well, the union treated me very well. As someone who thinks a lot about performance, I've always known how important it is to have top quality drinking water. But I never thought about the impact that bad water could have on my home until I got a water softener and saw the huge difference it can make. My dishes don't come out of the dishwasher with spots on them. My showers and sinks are cleaner and I can even use less soap and detergent. If you wanna see how much a water softener can help you too, get started by scheduling your free water test at Culligan.com. You know, you mentioned you were out there today, um, which is nuts because it's just super cold right now for, for everybody who's listening. You know, January in, is not pleasant in the Northeast. And so how much does the weather, we talked wind about a little bit, but storms or, or how do you work around the weather? You have certain conditions that you can or cannot work in or, and that doesn't help with sudden weather shifts. So how do you deal with those too? Rain, we don't work at all. Uh, we don't work in the rain. Snow depending on how bad it's coming down. If it's too windy, for the, the crane don't work because it could actually buckle and go over. And then like, it hasn't been like this lately, but we normally start at seven, which we do start it. But back then, if it was frost, we started at eight because we wouldn't let anybody up on the iron if it was frost on because you would slip and fall. But snow on a day like today, if it's a flurry, if it's like flurrying, I mean, if it's, if it's coming down hard, we go home. If it's too, too windy, like the guys who put the roof deck down, that's the deckers. If it's too windy that they, they can't put the sheets down because the They'll sheets will get away. blown out of their hands and it could kill somebody. Yeah. So they, they won't work. Today, guys are all in baskets welding. So if, if they're able to work, they work and everybody can make their own decision. Like they, they could say, it's too windy for me. I want to, I'm going home. Okay. But then their time stops there. 
we we don't hold that if somebody wants to go home we don't hold that against them it's their their choice but there's there is some pressure there because you know they're not getting paid right uh, they if they're not there they don't get paid so so i i assume different cranes have different wind ratings and so some cranes yes. you can yeah okay some cranes you can work in higher winds and some you can't yeah yeah you know sandy mentioned this earlier uh but i was curious just like any other professions, you know, the experience of shared risks and hardships, they create a lot of close friendships. Like the people I flew with in space are like a second family. So do you guys have a similar kind of vibe or similar kind of dynamic with your group? Because you said earlier, you got to count on the people around you to help save you if something goes wrong. Oh, yes. I, I've only worked, I've been lucky. I've only worked for two companies my whole career. I'm uh, currently with uh, Shamrock Construction. I've been with them 25 years. I'm going in my 26th year. Everybody's family. We hang out together. We'll do a bunch of things together. It's it's a family, so it's it's good. I mean, you you have your home family and you have your work family. Yeah, I understand that completely. And just like your home family, my understanding is that in years past, certainly not now, that uh, drinking was allowed on the job. You know, you could have a a beer or two while you're you know at lunch or something like that. Was is that really true? Years ago, like when. They say we're taking coffee break. Coffee wasn't involved. <laughs> so, so, so was that a camaraderie thing, or was it? Did it kind of like help, uh, you know, steal you for going back up on a, you know, a real high piece of iron? I would say both. Everybody would have a beer, and back then, if if you didn't drink, they they looked at you funny. So I'm not sure I want to know which buildings those were, but I guess they were probably all the buildings. That, uh, that, that was years ago, and in, uh, in that day and age. But but uh, today, drink, drinking no. I can only imagine. So you mentioned, you know, back then and now with all, when did this, when did it start to change, you know, from the, you can, you can't Uh, climb without a harness or there has to be some other rules and regulations. I'd say about 20 20 to 25 years ago. Yeah. Started changing, but it's, it's better that it happened because like I said, more people get to go home. Absolutely. And did the unions drive it or, or what, what created the impetus for the change? Unions, OSHA, insurance. Oh, insurance. Hmm. Yeah. So, John, I remember as uh, when I was in high school in the summertime, I worked as a carpenter. And my favorite role as a carpenter was putting roofs on houses, putting up the trusses and the plywood and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember how exhilarating it was to be up there. And at the end of the day, I could walk away and look back and go, I built something there. It's, I would imagine there's a certain sense of satisfaction that you get when you see a building go up and you've had something to do with it. Is that, or is that just like, hey, it's just part of the job? No, no, it is because like the, the owners of the company will say, we, we got 10, 10 weeks to put this building up. I can honestly say we always come in ahead of schedule. We do it safe. Nobody gets hurt. And we always come in ahead of schedule. Sometimes when there's two cranes on a job, if the job is big enough, you'll have two, two raising gangs, two foremans. Well, we'll kind of compete against each other. <laughs> okay. So, who, I can see that. Who gets the most steel up at the end of the day? And, uh, and it makes for uh, a good environment. But you got you to gotta be looking after the quality, too. I'll never forget. I lived in Coronado, California as a kid in eighth grade. They were building this new huge chunk of school and one morning we woke up and the thing had collapsed on itself and it was like how could this possibly have happened so i mean the quality assurance i'm sure is pretty big deal in your profession yes each general contractor 
has an outside inspection agency, a third party, who comes in behind us and checks, make sure it's the right size weld, it's the right length, the bolts are tightened, everything is done in accordance to the specs. And everything gets done like that. So if something doesn't work, it's the designer's fault. Uh, <laughs> you want it, you know, you want it to be that way, not your fault, right? They usually over-design things, but <laughs> yeah, 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 I can imagine. It's engineers, us yeah, conservatives, we're conservative people. <laughs> when it looks good on paper, it don't always work in real life. That's the other problem. Not all engineers are hands-on. I've I've spoken to a lot of engineers, and they're like, "Is there anything different we can do?" And it's like, yeah. If it looks good, if it looks really good on paper, it ain't going to work in the field. <laughs> well, and the other thing is I imagine that there is a design engineering that makes it either, either easier or harder for you to assemble the thing, right? Some, some are uh, critical connections where they're, they're very tight. But now, like now to, today with the uh, software and everything, you can go on a computer and pull up a 3D model. Do you ever get to a, a situation where... Um, the part just doesn't fit. <laughs> you know, maybe the manufacturer or the beam that shipped it to you is like, hey, this thing's three inches too short. It's not going to work. Everything has to stop. No, it doesn't ever stop because if the building is big enough, you can usually uh, steal from Peter to pay Paul. Like you, uh, I'll call, I'll call the, the fabricator and tell him, okay, the beam is three inches too short. What can I use in its place? And then he'll and then send me a new one really quick. He'll call me back and from. he'll tell me, okay, uh, let's say 3B1 was short. He'll call me back and tell me, okay, you could use 10B1 from Derek too. So I would find that, take it. So you, you never want the crane to stop. Do you have an opportunity to, to take some of your practical know-how and how buildings go up and feed it into the engineering community so they design stuff that's easier to build? Do you guys have that kind of feedback? No, some, some will come out and ask. But most of them don't. You know, as as an operator, I I find it frustrating sometimes that the engineer, the, I have the operator side of my brain and the engineer side of my brain, and the operator side operator side of my brain is like, you know, engineer people make it simpler to manage. So it's having that feedback loop is really important. Yeah, no, some some will come out and ask, others won't. Most won't. The missed opportunity I'll, on their part. I'll say most won't ask because no matter how it, the building goes up. So, I mean, if, if we have a problem, we'll let them know and then they'll, they'll say, okay, can you move on? And then they'll come up with a fix and we fix it or they'll send out a new piece. So John, are there uh, any uh, funny stories from your long career doing this or, or any really embarrassing rookie mistakes that either you made or somebody else made? Uh, I know a couple people, like when the connectors, the two guys who put the pieces together, use whatever bolts are available. And then the guys bolting up, come back and put the right bolts in. <laughs> so a couple of people had, were told to change, take, take those bolts out and put the, the right size in. Well, before they put in the right size, they took all the bolts out. That's oh. very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And, and you know how gravity works. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not your friend. Gravity is not your friend. <laughs> wow. No, gravity. In our business, gravity is your worst enemy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So I guess what they really should have done is take one bolt at a time, right? And replace yes, it. Yes, put, put the right ones in first and then leave the, those two that didn't belong there to last. Hey, you told me to take the bolts out. 
<laughs> oh, wow. How about any uh, technological advances? Do you see some, anything coming down the road that's going to make your job easier, faster, less expensive, or, you know? The only thing that, that helped were, were the boomless and the scissorless. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's all physical. I don't think you, you can get, like, the uh, robots, like, they, they have packages in that. I don't think you could ever get that up there. Yeah. 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 One of those things, you know, people say that you know, artificial intelligence is going to take away a lot of jobs, but they're white, they're white collar jobs, not your job. <laughs> yeah. Th this has to be hands-on. This has to be a, a, the human ability to do, to do what we have to do. Do you foresee some technology advances that continue to address the risks and the safety piece, or do you, got, you think you're kind of there already? I think we're, we're there because the, uh, the retractables, like uh, when, when the guys are decking, putting the roof down or the floor deck, they have retractables that screw to the, to the deck and swivel. So that, that's the best thing for them. And then like when, when they're, there's certain length retractables, there's 15, there's 20, there's 50, there's 60, depending on what you're doing is what length you would use. I mean, uh, you don't want to be 30 feet in the air and use a 60-foot retractable because you'll hit the ground before it <laughs> tightens up. That's kind of like having your parachute automatically open below the altitude of the mountainside. <laughs> That's not good. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. So what advice would you have for somebody thinking about getting into this line of work, actually? It's a good living. Like I said, I made a great living at it. I've always stayed busy. You have to be geared for it. It's, it's not a lazy man's job, that's for sure. Y years ago, we used to always say, if, if the guy's not, not hurting, he didn't work. Because everything we pick up, like an electrician will pick up some wire, he'll pick up a conduit, that's light. Everything we pick up is heavy. Yeah. And you're having to wrestle it around while it's up there. I mean, it's coming up on a crane, yeah. but you got to maneuver it into place. And that takes a certain amount of strength and coordination and balance, too. Most of it is the crane, but like if you need an inch, you just bounce on the piece and grab, it'll come up and down. But like we, we have wrenches, bolt bags, and the bolt bags are usually full with bolts. And they're heavy. Yeah. And they're heavy. <laughs> but now today, everything is done with lifts. So it's a lot better for the human body. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I got to ask you two questions. One, what is the highest you've ever been walking on a, on a, beam and what's your favorite building that you ever built well the highest i've ever been was 50 stories <laughs> but i was i was on the outside of the building in a, a bosun's chair i mean for people who don't know what a bosun's chair is it's, yeah you're sitting it's a swing yeah. and on a block and tackle rope <laughs> that's crazy and, but i guess if you fall from 10 stories or 50 stories it doesn't really matter you just get to think about it a little longer on the way down. just close your eyes and wait till the wait till the ride stops how about your favorite building? Uh, really don't have one. I, I guess it would be my first one. Yeah. Okay. It, it was just a strip mall on Route 22 in uh, Mountainside. But that's where you felt like, okay, I'm now part of this profession. Well, that, that's where I was, I was the scariest. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the one you remember the most. <laughs> so, you ever drive I'll by probably, that building and think about it? Or, uh... <laughs> oh, I drive by that one a lot. Okay. But uh, I'll probably remember my first and my last. Yeah, speaking of which. Uh, how much longer? Undecided yet. My boss might not like to hear that, but I'm undecided. <laughs> yeah, well, as long as you're still enjoying it. and uh, Oh, I still enjoy the men. I still enjoy the, uh, just trying to figure things out. 
like how to get 10 pounds in a five pound. Yeah. And every building has its puzzles, right? Oh, yeah. Every building is difficult. Wow. One job we did, it was uh, St. Peter's College in Jersey City, New Jersey. And they sent us all, all floor beams, but they didn't send us any of the headers for the floor beams to connect to. <laughs> so we couldn't do anything. And then the, the next load, they sent us all columns and no steel. <laughs> so you, you do get some fabricators that they're not the greatest to work with, but you get some who are awesome to work with. Yeah. Huh. That's always great. Well, there's so much complexity, right, to building a building, you know, thinking about the logistics tail even, let alone the stuff you guys are doing to put, put the piece parts up and then the finish. I mean, just, it's amazing. I, I really have enjoyed listening to your story, John, and I, I could probably talk to you for hours, but we probably need to think about wrapping it up. <laughs> In this bad weather. But look, also, John, uh, I understand your stepson's going into the Navy soon, so that's near and dear to yes. my heart. Congratulations to him and to you and his mom for that. And uh, we wish him the best. Thank you. And uh, again, it's been a real pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so and much. One, one thing like it's when you're walking the iron, don't look up at the clouds. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The clouds, the clouds are moving and you, you kind of get, a little, get a little wobbly because yeah. <laughs> you think you're moving. And don't look at the ground because it might scare you. So just look, pay attention to what you're straight doing, at, right? Straight ahead. <laughs> Pretty much you just look straight ahead and you, you don't look down. And the hardest thing is like walking the train tracks. Yeah. Like if you're on the ground walking the train tracks because you know nothing's going to happen. But if you're 50 feet up in the air, you don't look down. You just walk, walk like you're walking on a sidewalk. <sighs> well, the next time I'm walking on a train track, which I do every now and then, I will think about that. <laughs> It's like, I, I, I'm, I'm just six look, inches above the ground. Just, just look straight ahead. Being on a skinny steel beam and a high, you know, stories up with Amazing. wind. That's just, no, not for me. I'd rather launch yeah, it. The wind, <laughs> the wind is the worst thing. Yeah. Because you can't see it's coming. Yeah. Especially a gust or something like that. Yeah, gusts are, if it's a steady wind, you, you know what to brace for. But it's the gust that will take you off guard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get down off the metal before that happens, I'm sure. Well, John, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time this evening. We wish you the best and uh, a healthy and prosperous remainder of your career. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank appreciate you. it. It was my pleasure. Pleasure meeting the both of you. That was 40-year veteran iron worker John Steinmetz. I'm Sandra Magnus. And I'm Sandy Winnefeld. That wraps up Season 5 of The Adrenaline Zone, sponsored by Culligan Water. Check them out at culligan.com. And we look forward to being back with you for our next season. And be sure to check us out on social media. Our handle is very simple, at The Adrenaline Zone.